Hey, everybody. We're here the 1st of May. So we're recording on an unusual day as far as our schedule, but that's okay. Uh, You'll probably see this within a week or so, or we might surprise you and put it out early. But welcome to Press for Time. As usual, I am your host, Benny Rose, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Mr. Tyler Nethers. What's going on? Today, we not only have one guest, we have two. We're going in. We're going into another category of love of video games. And Tyler, you have anything to say before we let our lovely guests uh, jump in on this? No, no. I'm really excited to have you guys here. We had a little uh, snafu that we we cleared up offline before we started this. Um, and I'm really excited to dive into um, what these guys are doing. So I'll let them introduce themselves and um, what they do. And we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, I will kick us off. My name is Justin Skirbo. I'm one of the two co-founders of CritRate. Uh, I'll pass it off to Justin to introduce himself. But first, I'll just give you a quick background on CritRate. CritRate is the world's first personality-based game recommendation platform. Uh, What we're hoping to achieve is uh, have people come to our website, take a short personality uh, survey, basically, and be sorted into one of our five gaming houses, not dissimilar to like Harry Potter houses. Uh, And then really what that does is it allows you to get curated reviews based on other people with similar personality types, and then essentially have a recommendation feed of games that are going to be suited just to your gaming tastes. So I'll pass it over to Justin to uh, tell you a bit more. Yeah, just to confuse everybody who's just listening in, there are two Justins on this podcast right now. Uh, we call ourselves the Justins, and it works in our favor more times than not. But uh, I am also Justin, Justin Shao. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the background on us is pretty much we were in the video game media space for a solid like 10 years since like 2013, just trying to make it in the industry that we love. Um, and then during around 2015 is when Justin and I came up with this idea where we can essentially apply our like guilty pleasure of personality tests and understanding, you know, people and then trying to dovetail that kind of into gaming. We've learned that like, I mean, at the time, like I had a, I had like a guild on Guild Wars 2 of like 120 some odd people, really close knit people. Like I've been to their graduations and I've been to some of their weddings and it's been phenomenal. But like I learned that we've all played this game, Guild Wars 2, in like hyper different ways. And I was like, okay, if everybody's playing the same game, but drawing some value out of it in many different ways, then there's got to be something here that tells me or tells us a little bit about like how we like to play video games rather than that I'm just a Guild Wars 2 player, right? It's not necessarily about the what, it's about the how. And uh, as Justin and I started going through our research, um, and at the time, uh, Justin was actually working in a uh, in another company that did a lot of like personality research and then bringing in uh, like specific like hires for specific companies. Like we started talking to a lot of their data scientists and like after a while, we started becoming even more interested in like how this might work. Um, and then over the course of now eight years, after a lot of testing and a lot of like survey tweaking, uh, we got to a point where we were like, this is really cool. And I think this would be useful for people. And then we brought it to PAX. And um, now oh, a month later, we realized people are actually interested in this stuff. And so it's been a lot of fun. It's been really, really fun. We think uh, there's definitely a new way or a new age of giving uh, giving and taking in recommendations for for video games. I mean, they come out so fast, you know. But that's me, and that's us. How's it going, guys? I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for taking the time and inviting us on the podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're, yeah, we're super excited. That's really cool. I love, so, I love the story. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And there's so much, you know, so much of the way people consume um, media reviews now is is divisive. Like people, yeah. people go in 
with a, an expectation of what the game's going to be. And if reviewers give them what they want and match up to that expectation, everything's great. It's like, yes, I knew it. If the reviewer says something negative, they're like, nope, you're an idiot. <laughs> you yeah, don't know. Yeah. So having something organic like this where you can you can really sift through and find stuff tailored to you and then see reviews that line up with your line of thinking and give you actual valuable information is awesome. That's a it yeah. seems like a really big step forward for how people consume review content and figure out what is going to work for them cuz everybody's pressed for time. I mean, it's the pressed world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's exactly right. And it was it was kind of like the the biggest motivator to uh turn crit rate into what it is today. I mean, when we started, like Justin said, we originally had uh, our own media company where we were doing kind of news and reviews and, you know, beat journalism and all this kind of stuff. Um, but we started to really pay attention to what was going on as far as like the review scene and like how this kind of stuff was being received. And it seemed like you had people that were falling into different camps, right? Like you had the people that would uh, be really attached to certain authors and they would, they would like to digest the written content, like, and that was sort of where they were getting the meat of their information from. But then you also had these sort of like more passerby uh, types of uh, consumers that would look at like the Metacritic score, the open critic score, and they would just want that number. And then they would, they would dip out. Right. And like, that was, that was where the recommendation came from. But as Justin and I started to explore this idea, you know, we had this, uh, this concept, right. Uh, I don't really know if you would call it a concept or whatever, but we called it like the lunch table theory, right. Last or when we were kids, you know, we would talk to our friends, like our close knit people about the types of games that we're playing, you know, what we rented from blockbuster that week or what have yeah. you. And, uh, and we would, you know, have these great conversations and be exposed to games in a much more organic way. And what would end up happening most of the time is like you might be playing a game that would be, let's say, a 70 on like a Metacritic or something, but you're having this like fantastic experience with it. And whether that's because it came from your friend or your friends just know you and know the types of, you know, uh, experiences that you're going to respond with more, some some matter of that basically led you to having this great gaming experience. Yeah. So there was part of us that thought like, you know, there's so many situations where you might be you know, you might bounce off of a game or not be interested or not give it the time of day when really it could be a great match for you. Yeah. And then that, yeah. And then that combined with seeing how uh, a lot of recommendations were now leaning towards like really personality driven content, YouTubers, Twitch streamers, all this kind of stuff. We were like, I wonder if there's a way that we could take this, this feeling, this idea, this like lunch table concept and really kind of like blow it out on a bigger scale. And that was really the inception of the crit rate idea and really what we hope to accomplish with the platform. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like even with, you know, Benny and I, he'll sometimes come across a game that maybe comes to our, cause we, we both write um, for gamingage.com. So we do, mm -hmm. we do written reviews and, you know, we get 10,000 emails, like so many emails wow. come yeah. through the boxes. Awesome. It's really hard to sift through and find, you know, in a sea of emails that are like, Look at what game is most popular in Idaho right now. Oh, you're now. talking about totally. like the press releases? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, dude. We know that. We know that inbox scare all the yes. very well. Yeah. So it's it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But you so a lot of stuff gets missed. So a lot of times yeah. Benny will, will find like an indie game. Like I'm really into Souls likes and yeah. you know, old Metroidvania Me type games and stuff. So he'll find something and be like, hey man, this seems like something that you would be a good fit to review. 
Um, so yeah. that that concept definitely fits even among reviewers. Like we'll discuss. I mean, it's, hey, when you sorry, you go on. No, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. I was just about to say, I mean, with the press releases, it's hilarious because nowadays the press releases have becoming, they become more prolific with how they try to genreize their game. And they're like, hey, take a look at this. If you like Souls, uh, you know, uh, Metroidvanias, uh, Shmups, Roguelikes, blah, 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 you'll love this game. And you're like, dude, which one is it? Like, what are you talking about? That's like 13 different genres. Which one? Yeah. Which one is your game? Yeah. yeah yeah it was actually cool so I, i'm sure we'll get uh more in detail with it when we uh get to packs but one of the things that we found there we started having conversation with with uh developers that were kind of seeing what we were doing and getting getting an idea and one of the things that they that really sort of like activated them was saying you know when they go to create their listing for their game on steam or what have you they're limited to certain genre classifications yeah. or categories right and uh and this one guy he was the the developer for a game called ever space Two, which like when you look at that game like if you just see a screenshot of it the instant you look at it you think space sim right like you know high like it's a you're in a ship you're flying around it's like okay i i think i know what this game is and he says so often they will have uh they will have people that will see that and just immediately bounce off because they're like no you know space sims are just like not my thing or whatever but in reality their game is actually like a shooter like a competitive shooter that happens to take place in space as a spaceship. So he's like, you know, it it sucks that they'll lose so much of their potential audience just based on a look or a genre tag that's not exactly fair to uh, to classify their game as. Mm-hmm. So when they looked at something that we were doing, it was like it it's a lot. It provides another avenue for people to find stuff by, you know, rating a game based on its merits for certain types of people, for certain uh-huh. like personality traits, you know. Um, so that was a really encouraging thing to hear too. And really, I think the hope is to create as many avenues that open doors for gamers and for developers to help find the right audiences, you know, because I think you're right. There is this like insane oversaturation with games right now where it's like almost impossible to find something, you know, there, there could be a million good games in there that you, you just might breeze past because it's just, there's just too much to process. So now it's like, wouldn't it be great if you had like a curated list based on the way you like to to play games and the ha- like the gaming habits that you have that's yeah, really Benny, like the idea imagine if you were uh you know surrounded by uh, hundreds of other benny people and uh, they knew exactly what each other liked and they're like it's crowdsourced you know what's everybody playing right now oh don't play this game don't play this game play that game play that game and then suddenly you get like an entire recommendation you know list of games that other people like benny are saying you should consider trying and then now you have all these games to even look look at right it was funny because like in the very beginning like when this was all started and when this all started for us it was like sure we can come out with reviews but unless they know who the review is coming from it's kind of like difficult to get you know traction in that category um and then some media outlets they gain traction because it's like oh well i'm polygon or i'm kotaku and as a media outlet, I'm the one telling you about this game. Do you mm-hmm. trust me? And it's all about this trust-based relatability kind of like meter almost, right? Um, yeah. Then we start looking at YouTubers, right? And we start seeing like YouTubers and people on Instagram and like, well, maybe not so much Instagram, but YouTubers. And then people watch like, you know, whoever they end up watching and they're like, oh, this person, I relate to this person. I feel their person behind that, like that screen. I'm going to hear what they have to say about games. And then I'm going to put more credibility on that review uh, because I understand them. Well, what if we can like just jump straight from, you know, not knowing somebody to knowing somebody intimately and then 
a bunch of those people are now telling you what to what to potentially play. I mean, I think that would be that'd be a real good way of, you know, getting past the press for time feeling, you know, like now yeah. I have a, now I have a list of things I can look at. There's a path. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also challenging from our perspective, because even though we come from, I would say, a veteran um, media outlet that's been around for a long time, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't gotten to that point where it's, you know, in that professional realm where people think, you know, like you said, the first thing people say, IGN, Polygon, yeah. nothing wrong with that. But again, when you have scenarios of uh, casual gamers that look for reviews and look at Metacritics, they go to specific sites. Yeah. And a lot of times they go expecting the negative. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, this guy's going to say this, or this person's going to say that, mm-hmm. versus, hey, let's just see what people that are really passionate about playing it feel about. And I think that again, you can get so many people in a in a casual site that love a game that may not have even expected to love it, and mm-hmm. that's where I think your outlet would be a great way to differentiate that. Because I've I've discovered games early on in my time with Gaming Age that I would have never picked up unless it was solicited to me and I took the time to read. Yeah, it. Mm-hmm. So, totally, totally. Yeah, and think about a, those big sites don't cover they they cover AAA. That's yeah, I mean, yeah, right. the reality that, that's of what draws the clicks. Sites. Exactly. Yeah. So the yeah. reality of that is they so many games get missed and don't end up on an IGN or a Kotaku or a Polygon or don't end up on Metacritic at all because there's no there's no, um, you know, verified reviews that they can put in there. So having something like crit rate where you can go on and get real reviews from other people that have actually played this game could be massive for smaller, you know, indie games or double A games and triple A games, you know, like stuff yeah. that doesn't fall in the scope of a reviewer's time or what they're going to discuss. Yeah, certainly. And it, it's actually really interesting because there's, as we started to go through this process and like, I mean, right out of the gate, our, our initial objective was to, okay, are people going to take this test and like their results? Like, do, does it feel like they're falling into the right houses? Do they like where they're at? And like, I mean, we at PAX, we got over 5,000 users, maybe three of them were like, I don't agree with my house selection. So we were like, okay, we're on target here. This is good. And then once we started to peel back the layers and they understood like, oh, this house opens up the door to seeing these reviews and communicating with other people that share the same interests as me and all this kind of stuff, it really started to uh, take form. And that was like so awesome to see in real time, especially when we were like at PAX talking to, uh, you know, talking to everybody about it. But what was interesting and to your point too, um, one of the potential avenues that is open now is just by segmenting people in this way and like bringing them into certain houses, the idea of seeing potentially content from uh, from individuals of a certain house, it might resonate way more because like Benny, you might uh, take the survey, find what house they uh, find what house you're in. And then once you start writing reviews and and, and whatnot, the people from your house are going to add a, another layer of credibility to that because now they know that you're of like-minded or of like minds you know what i mean so it's cool to see all of these different opportunities and and avenues start to like open and it really i don't know based on the feedback that we're getting from our users and and the developers that we're talking to it it's all starting to gel in place which is really encouraging to see and at least tells us that we're on the right track and we didn't waste all this time (laughs) 
So it's funny yeah. because like we have we have like a we have a podcast of our own as well. And uh, one of our guests was uh, Janet Garcia, who used to work for IGN, and now she works for yeah. herself. She works with Kind of Funny and all this stuff. And uh, she is a curionaut, which um, I can go through the houses later. But basically, her house is more on the experimentation, exploration side. Likes a little bit more slower paced games, like a little bit more um, storytelling over the like the mechanics nature of a video game, like and more solo playing type of games. But her outlet, um, Pen to Pixels, uh, I mean, she's the only one writing on it. So technically speaking, all the content is coming out from a curionaut now so yeah. imagine if you have a bunch of curionauts or even others right from other houses are seeing this kind of content come out and they're like oh fascinating the context is almost everything and now i see these headlines coming out and it's like oh that's interesting that this opinion is coming from somebody with these type of values and, yeah. and then even if i'm not part of the house let's say i i'm personally a, a gallivander which is somebody who's more into social gaming. Uh, I like the multiplayer aspect of games, more experimentation focused and more on the for fun side rather than competitive. Um, but it's interesting because it's like, I can see what she's saying and then I could be like, well, you know what? My Curionaut side, yeah, I see that she says that this game is good. I'd be interested in seeing this. Like it contextualizes everything that they're saying. It's like, I already know uh, Janet Garcia more than I do personally, obviously, because I've only met her a couple of times, but I know her more now just because I'm able to read kind of like her, her, I mean, the back of the card, kind of like the stats on her, you know, like what, right, what, what right. kind of gamer she That's is. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. It's, so we're just opening up to the public to see, like, to peek our head out of this eight-year-long, like, hibernation that we've been in. Um, and it's been fascinating to see people come back to us with not just like, a, whoa, this is cool, but also like, a, you know, I would really love this, that, and the other thing. If you can like change up this or like if you can add in this with the data that you're pulling, like I would love to be able to see that because I think it would be valuable to me in these, these types of ways. And now Justin and I basically have like a laundry list of things that we need to do as soon as yeah. possible because we want to satiate everybody's curiosity. But everybody seems mostly curious about the data, like so yeah. curious about the data on the people. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, and it, it definitely sense. the recommendation side of it is also very like, I mean, it, it's kind of the the crux of, of the whole thing. It's like where it all sort of stems from. So it's nice to see people responding in that way and like requesting new games to like be on the site and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm curious just for you guys, just just because it's an interesting conversation. I mean, Justin and I are lifelong gamers and, you know, we told you a little bit about our sort of like lunch table philosophy. But like typically, where do you guys find your games? Like if you're. I know that being on the media side, you're probably playing stuff to review and all this kind of stuff fairly often. But, you know, where do you sort of like find your lanes when you really like attach yourself to a new game? For me, mostly from friends. Yeah, that yeah. same that same lunch table philosophy. I've got I've got a core group of friends that I mean, we've been friends for you know almost 20 years now, um, grew up together played games all through childhood and into adulthood. Um, and we have been lucky enough to stay really, really close. And we have our awesome. private discord server. Um, that's just, oh, just for us and our, our adjacent friends. Um, wow. And we get together and play games as often as possible. And typically that's where I find new stuff is in there. Oh. Guys will be like, Oh, I just, I just bought this on steam. It was two bucks and it was amazing. Or, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about whatever AAA games coming out. Like right now we're playing a bunch of call of duty new yeah. call of duty season came out and it's like okay yeah we're gonna play call of duty again so we go through mm -hmm. you know phases of returning to old games and finding new ones and just yeah we all that's typically awesome. move in a group so that's so cool betty yeah. how about you mine's a little unique um for the most part you know the traditional reading um the press releases is where i mm -hmm. get a lot of stuff more recently but 
I play a lot of the same stuff. So for me, I'm a diehard Resident Evil guy. So I I'm kind of the two of a kind man. That that's yeah, my whole I, world. I'm the resident Resident Evil editor <laughs> for most yep. for the most of the stuff on the site. Love zombie games, uh, Dying Light, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, diehard Zelda fan, Kingdom Hearts. Oh big, yeah, big time. Oh wow, um, nice. But uh, lately, I'd say over the last maybe ten years or so. I spend a lot of time on Twitter, unfortunately, <laughs> but I, I've found a lot of indie developers over the years. And some of my favorite games of the last five, 10 years were discovered from somebody posting on Twitter, like the developer showing some of their animation early on, yep. following them all the way until the game's potential release. Yeah. Uh, the first game was a game called Hue. If anybody ever played yeah, that game, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. I played that on the Vita like way back oh, when. Great game. Fell in love with that game. Yeah. Yeah. Actually connected with the developers on Facebook. Like just amazing experience for me. Um, then there was Ghost Song that recently came out on Xbox. Mm-hmm. I was following them for a while. But then uh, Tormented Souls was another big one, which was a, a survival horror game that was very reminiscent of old school uh, Resident Evil with the fixed camera. Yes. And seeing those those scenes, picking up that game, reviewing it, loving it, and just one of those scenarios of I would have never discovered it because mm-hmm. I didn't discover it from the press release. I actively looked for the developers uh, to awesome. reach out. So Dude, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's so cool, man. It's it's awesome finding games like that that you know, I feel like now nowadays there's a lot of uh not I, I don't want to say like iterative, but they'll like find games that are they're kind of like trying to, you know, evoke those same feelings or create a, a similar like game and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. I got a little. So uh, what's called Tyler? You were talking about Souls Lex before. Like, did you ever play the Salt and Sanctuary games? Yes. I uh, mm-hmm. love those. Fantastic. So I love yeah. that. Talked to those I love, developers uh, too. Blasphemous. Yep. All of yep. the any of the side scrolling like attempt kind of souls like but also metroid is just so that's right i'd in say my you head. probably played them all even all the bad ones yeah even the bad <laughs> ones. yeah one of the uh one of our other uh get or guests or co-hosts on our podcast alex he just got done playing a game called tales of iron which i think falls in that same category okay. Not, yeah, it was I, on ps plus this month i think oh uh, okay yeah it's, so maybe newer that oh, one yeah, i don't know so i might have to try that there you go hmm. yeah he said good things about it so great i think it's uh something newer so with the gaming houses give us give us a rundown um of what the different houses are and how you kind of determine who goes where yeah definitely i would be happy to actually would it be good i know this is a video podcast but like should i share a screen somewhere just sure yeah uh, put a little like all right hold on let me just set this up then but uh yeah i can definitely go through the houses with you guys um just to give you kind of an idea we sort everybody originally when we were coming up with the uh the when we were coming up with the um the segments and the segmentation it was here we go I will yeah. share my screen right now. When we were going out with the segmentation, we did, we came out with like, I think it was at first like six or seven different criteria. I had, I think I need to get permissions. There we go. Um, all right. So tell me if you can see this, but we started with about like maybe six or seven of these guys. I'm going to try to make this smaller so you can blow it up a bit more. Perfect. But yeah. So awesome. I won't read these necessarily, but I'll just go through them really quickly. But uh, our data has been kind of like, interestingly breaking down and again we can go through the player traits as well which is down here but uh 
basically through taking the test and answering some of the questions and the questions run from, you know, like whether or not you're actually interested in the lore behind the bar maiden at the bar or like, would you rather play a multiplayer game rather than a single player game? You know, how important is winning to you uh, in terms of your enjoyment, things like that. Um, after answering these questions, and there are like a few of them, 40 or so, but they're interesting questions and they're fun to answer. Uh, we'll take all those scores of these particular traits and then we'll break it down into, um, we'll find out what house you're a part of. But it's important to know also that we're all actually a shade of all of these houses. We're not just one. Like even if you fall into like a Gryffindor, you know, there's a little bit of Slytherin back there somewhere. Um, so all in all, we we kind of like bring out the first and foremost one. And then from there, you know, we kind of describe what the other ones are too. But I'll go through it really quickly. So the Vantagists, these, uh, <clears throat> they're more of our like uh, cerebral kind of like strategy focused players. They like slower paced games. They like a lot higher difficulty challenge uh, and they enjoy a lot more methodical kind of thinking. Our Curionauts are much more on the experimentational and experimentation and exploration focused, as I was saying before. They like the slower paced games. They're more story focused and they enjoy like a single player for fun kind of experience. Um, Ascendiaries, uh, which is what Justin is, uh, it's more of like a, an achievement based, uh, more like task oriented. They're competitive, but they're competitive in more single player games, which is interesting because then you start finding out that they're more of like the speed runners, the high score chasers, the achievement hunters uh, of the group. Um, our Gallibanders are more of our social players, as I said before, the ultimate teammate. They're more uh, in it for the fun of playing with others, whether it be party games or even cooperative experiences. But in the same sense, they enjoy a lot of experimentation and they also enjoy like slower paced gameplay. And then we have the Bravadiers. They are competitive focused players, right? They are much more on the fast paced gameplay, multiplayer gameplay. Uh, they play to win and they like difficult games. Um, they're much more, again, of our more, <clears throat> I would say like the esport types of players. And it can range anywhere from the methodical thinking games to like, let's say like a Starcraft to a quick, you know, you know, FPS Twitcher type of game, like a, a Valorant or something like that. Um, but it's been interesting to see <clears throat> how people answer these questions and then fall into their houses. And then once brought into kind of like a, a spectrum of, they start breaking down each of the key criteria traits even further. And our traits are your competitiveness. And remember, it's kind of like a Myers-Briggs where you fall into either, you know, left side or the right side or somewhere in the middle. And somewhere in the middle doesn't necessarily mean that you're neither of these two. It's more of a balance. But the seven criteria are how competitive you are, how important is winning to your enjoyment, players, how many players do you usually like to play with? Are you, is a video gaming more of a solo journey for you? Is it more of a multiplayer experience? Challenge is a little bit more of like the level of difficulty that you're willing to take on when playing games. So when it says easy, it's more about the experience, less about the frustrations. But for some, like I'm sure Tyler being a little bit more on the uh, the Dark Souls kind of like games, it's much more on the methodical, like figuring out how to how to solve those problems and like overcome those problems is really where the enjoyment comes from. Creativity, is, creativity and strategy both play into a similar portion, which is like, how do you like to go about playing the game? So in creativity, it's more about progression. Um, do you like to stay on the practical side of things where you're going, maybe we're just doing the main story quest or some side story stuff. The experimentation is like in that same game, maybe the experimental player will just walk around aimlessly and start finding random things, you know, kind of like that. Strategy is more like how you like to solve problems. We have the planning or spontaneous where it's like, I like to plan before. Before I act or am I more like act and then plan as I go uh, and immersion breaking those two down I know this is a lot of explanation so stop me at any time but um, the immersion side is more mechanic fo focused or story focused we've learned that people like to get absorbed by the game differently sometimes it's about 
how you play and how you press the buttons and how you like to see those things happen on the screen. And does that feel good? Or is it more story focused? Am I more about the lore and the atmosphere and the tone of the game? Uh, and then last but not least is pace. Pace is more on how the game kind of like feeds you content, right? And how we like to engage with those games. Slow paced games are more you know, um, you're given a whole plethora of things to do and you can do it at any point you want to. And a fast paced game is more of like, a, let's say a bit trip runner or something like that, where it's like, you're at this level, this is what you're supposed to be doing right now. And this is what you're supposed to be, you know, how you're supposed to be progressing in the game. Um, and then so between these seven different criterias, we'll bring you up into one of these five houses. Boom. Does that make sense, guys? Did you come yes. to class prepared? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, apologies. I have a I have a seven month old German Shepherd puppy who decided he wanted to chew on my door over there, so I had oh. to go. I had to go correct him real fast. But <laughs> no, cool. no, no, that's, that's really cool. cool. And I am I'm absolutely. I can tell you. I, I mean, I haven't taken the test yet, but I can tell you that Ascendiary is very much where I'm going to fall with a, <laughs> oh, yeah. a good dose of uh, Galabander there. Because when I'm playing social games with my friends, I'm very much a social gamer. But when I'm playing mm. something for myself. It power through 100. I've I've got so many platinum trophies. I've got I've done oh, all dude. the FromSoft games on I would all love to platforms. Swap, uh, I would love to swap PSN information with you because I'm yes. a, a very avid trophy hunter as well. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm like hard in Ascendiary. Like I'm yeah, pretty sure we when we made those houses, it was like based on my personality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I've I, so on my Xbox. I think I'm I'm approaching like 200 game 200,000 gamer score or something. And then wow. I've got a bunch of platinum trophies and I have a bunch of um, what Steam considers perfect games, which is getting all the achievements in a game. Yep, um, cool. So I can display all the, I display all those on my Steam profile. But yeah, that's awesome. I, I can't wait for you guys to take the test because I'm really interested in knowing. So like just to give you kind of like a, like once you take the test, you can go into your cool account here and down here you'll have a readout of what kind of gamer you are. But here is where you'll actually see a kind of a rendition of what your infinities are per house, right? So I am more mostly Galabander, but then also high in Vantagist and in Bravadir. And Got it's important it. to read. It's not really clear, but we have to make it more clear. These numbers here aren't necessarily points and it doesn't add up to 100%. Rather, it's I'm 42% out of 100% Galabander, or I like am close to 40% Vantagist out of 100, 36 and so on and so forth, right? So Got it's it. more of like... Um, how close are you to each individual house? Not how much of each, right? Um, we'll be changing that eventually. But yeah, so that is that. I'm excited to see what you guys end up scoring on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so as soon too. as we're done here, I'm gonna we'll, we'll take Same our here. test and we'll we'll post our results as well. Uh, cool. And I'll have to throw it there. out there: the fact that I'm the exact opposite of Tyler and I have not one platinum. Dude, not a I hear you, man. <laughs> I, am, awesome. I feel like you and I. I felt like I had a kinship with you, Benny. <laughs> I'm like right there with Resident Evil 4 remake. Yeah. And I just and don't I've care. beaten the game 10 times already and Dude. I still haven't gotten it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna do it. It's so, <laughs> so it's excellent funny. though, right? Oh yo, I love Bloodborne and I have one more final ending to go through to get the platinum. Don't oh. care. Do it. No, what do you mean don't, don't care? care. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Dude, I was literally on it. I was on the scent to do it. And then Justin was like, yo, you're one trophy away. It's like the easiest Dude, one. You just gotta yeah, get... especially if it's just the ending. Oh my god, you did all the chalice dungeons, you did you all the optional like, bosses. You sound oh my, like my god. best friend Justin in this <laughs> chat with us right now. <laughs> the chalice so dungeons god. are the only ones I didn't do. And I, oh, I did man. all the chalice dungeons one. Oh my god yeah. i don't know why i did that Tyler, it's, a, it's a losing battle i've tried to have oh these conversations goodness. too many times he won't he won't see the light 
I need your <laughs> PayPal information. I'm just gonna I'm gonna bribe you. I'm gonna pay you to get 100 on Bloodborne. Oh my god. Oh, <gasps> man, I love Bloodborne so much. Yeah, my speaking of game. actually, uh, weird, really weird tangent, really quickly. Um, did you guys see the uh, the Armored Core trailer? Yes. Oof. Oh, that was what a trailer, man! <laughs> what a so, trailer! Have you seen we the collector's a... editions? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. With the mech in the housing warehouse, yeah, like no, what? I it's so cool. I, I know it's, it's only like two hundred dollars. Yeah, we have a spreadsheet at Gaming Age where we keep track of all the games that are coming out, and the way we sign up for the games we want to review is you put you if you put the game on the spreadsheet, you can put your name on it. Um, yeah. and it's basically a first come first serve type of deal. So if you're if it's a game you're really passionate about, you want to quickly get it thrown in the spreadsheet. And I got I I you got trailer wasn't even done. Like the yeah. teaser trailer hadn't even finished, and I was on the spreadsheet. Like I'm putting my name on this. <laughs> oh, that's me, that's me with every Resident Evil. Yeah. Every time it comes yeah. out. Oh man. Yeah, That's speaking awesome. of not getting 100%, what was it? Uh, Resident Evil Village. We were playing through together at like the same time. And Benny's like, oh, yeah, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And I was like, yeah, Benny, I got the platinum. I finished it. Yeah. It was a fun platinum. Really like, Mercenaries mode in that one was tough, though. That was probably yeah, the hardest part of that. It absolutely was. Yeah. And doing the, I, doing the knife only was pretty tough, too. I'm pretty sure that yeah. was Village that I had to do that on. Yeah, that yeah, because in seven that was the one where you got like the the little chainsaw thing. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. made it trivial, but ah, oh, yes. so good. Love See, it. for me, like I take more pride in just like getting a real good flow of those games. And yeah. Village is another one I played a lot, and I don't play it for the achievement; I just play it for the enjoyment. And I beat Village on Village mode in an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, that's good. That's and fast. it was it was punishing yeah but it's like i have nothing to show for it you know because it's yeah. not but well, i was like all right i know i did it <laughs> dude I, I have like a sickness when it comes to this stuff because like i i'm right there with you i love the resident evil games like like deeply right um but i also i need there has to be a carrot at the end of what i'm yep. doing or i won't do it right so like when village came out with like the third person mode i was like that sounds great i would love to play it like that but I have zero no reason to do that, so yep. I'm just not going to do it. You know? No, I'm the exact same way. It, it, yeah. it was the exact same thing. I was like, man, that's really neat for somebody, yeah. <laughs> not for me. Yeah. And for me, it was just a, it was an excuse to revisit the game, yeah. and that's yeah. exactly what I did, and I loved Benny, it. Benny, uh, I get exactly what you're saying, man. I get <laughs> yeah. exactly is... what you are saying. It's yeah. so funny because Justin will play. Uh, Justin will go out and buy terrible games just because they like dropped off of Game Pass and he hadn't finished it and he was like, you know, I need to finish this. For that did reason. that did happen one time. That was with uh, Shadow uh, Shadows of the Damned. I I was playing it on Game Pass. Love that I'd never, game. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just had never That's played. Not it a before. terrible game. No, I mean it's <laughs> like a it's great a, game. it's not great, but I mean, it was I like one it. of those. I, mean, I love those. I love those B style games too. It, mm -hmm. it was a it was a suit of fifty one blind spot for me, and I was yes. like, I just need to like get a little context here. I need to know what's going on, and literally three quarters of the way through the game, they took it off of Game Pass, and I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do? And they yeah, literally the only it. option I had was to buy it physically and then finish playing it that way. And I was That's like, the I can't. With the the mega boner uh, gun, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly that's right. exactly right. God, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah like it was the, is they one of my very favorite. The Resident Evil Four mindset. It was like, oh, Resident Evil yeah. Four mechanics. Totally. Yeah. Totally. No lollipop yeah. chainsaw. Dude, that's another one of my blind spots. I've I oh, want to play that, but I think they're re-releasing. They're re-releasing re it. Yeah, they it, are. Yeah, like a re 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 
remake remaster. Yeah, kinda. I'll wait. I'll wait for that one for sure. But I've I played got big into Let Mitchell It Die was. when that came out initially. Yeah, we played Let It Die for a while. Um, Killer, I think, dead, still all playing. That kind of stuff. Killer is dead. Yep. Let It Die. I remember being. Oh man, that was like 2016, I think, when they were like. I remember being at E3 and there was a Studio 51 party that I ended up going to. Bill Burr, I remember, opened up the talk with comedy, which was hilarious. But I remember playing that game and thinking like there were some like Souls elements where people can like invade your game, I think, yeah. or something like that. And then I remember playing it because I was such a big Souls plant fan. And I remember thinking, this game's not that good, guys. I don't think I don't think I really want to play this game. Because <laughs> I yeah. think it had a lot of roguelike it did uh, yeah it, it struggled that, to that's figure a turn out what it wanted me, to be yeah so i went to a pre-release event like a press yep. event for the game um cool. out at the out at their studio in california and awesome. got to play it and it, i felt kind of the same way i was like hey there's something here yeah right exactly you gotta, you gotta dig to find it mm. i was excited about it but yeah but uh interesting interesting yeah yeah what are you guys playing right now what's your uh Great question, Justin. What's on the docket? Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I I host our podcast too. So I just like anything. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, like, this is great. I, no, I just love asking questions. This is, this is what we love. I have uh, a lot of Call of Duty right now. Um, yep. And I am also clearing out a big blind spot for myself, which is the Persona games, uh, oh, which is a massive a- undertaking. Don't but don't do the platinums on those, man. It's a full zone. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Just playing them to finish them. Um, and yeah. even that's even that's a bit of a challenge. But yeah, so I got um Persona 3 and Persona 4, the bundle to review. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took the review on as somebody that's never played the games. And I awesome. played three and absolutely fell in love with it. So finished three, I'm working my way through four, and then I'm gonna do five. Dude, five is sublime. It's like it's that's what everyone so says. good. Yep. It's so good. It's such I'm, a funny. It's so it's so interesting because that game is so heavy and like thick, right? <clears throat> but I've turned people who don't play video games into gamers by introducing them to Persona Five, and some yeah. of them don't even care about anime stuff. They just it's like a, such a good game, and it stands on its own apart from like some of the art and the style that it has, which is also very good. But game's good. Game's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, Not to I've hype it up or anything. Deeply in love. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've. I think I gave it a perfect score, like the the three and four bundle, because I was just mm-hmm. like, man, these hold up so well. Um, yeah, coming from the age that they did, so doing that, and I'm also that new Xenoblade three DLC just dropped, and oh, I need yeah. to play that. Very cool. Xenoblade Very cool. is such a like. I have a few friends that are so into Xenoblade three, like, mm-hmm. so, and they're so hyped about the DLC dropping. I yeah, I've tried. <laughs> Well, actually, I haven't tried. I've tried listening to Justin try playing Xenoblade, and I feel like I we just can't get into it. Yeah, I I have a high tolerance for JRPG stuff, like a high tolerance, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's I mean, final like right next to Resident Evil, Final Fantasy is like my it's the Jim top Jam. of the mountain. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So so I'm ready to try any JRPGs that are out there, and the first time I give a swing at Xenoblade, it's just so thick. It's, it's so thick. It's so hard. And it, it it just feels like such an unbelievable mountain to climb that it's like, I, I don't know. And, th- and then the ascendiary part of my brain clicks on where I'm like, I could spend 100 hours playing this game or I could beat three other games that I wanted to play <laughs> in the same time frame, you know? Yeah. So it, that's always been challenging for me. Yeah, it was interesting. I was late to the Xenoblade party. I didn't dive in until two. 
Um, mm-hmm. And two had been out for a while when I did it. And I'm telling you, I was the exact same way. A huge Final Fantasy player, love JRPGs, probably next to Souls likes. That's yep. probably my favorite genre of, yeah, of yeah. games. I absolutely love them. Um, but I bounced hard off yeah. of Xenoblade 2. I was like, what the fuck? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was exactly me. I played 3D on... Now, granted, I played the 3DS version because I yeah. didn't want to set up a Wii at the time and the Switch version hadn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude, like, this this just ain't it. Like, I don't know yeah. what, it, what it was, but like, I, same experience. Yeah, so, okay, so, so, sell, so sell me on three. So sell me on three. So I would actually probably <laughs> sell you on two first. Um, okay. Because two has... So one has its own thing three follows one in terms of mechanics two kind of sits in the middle um and i feel like two is probably the most approachable and if Mm. you if you get a hold of two get through two which you can do it it doesn't have to take 100 hours i think my first Mm. playthrough was 38 hours which is not terrible which is yeah that's that's very digestible for sure yeah because you don't have to do a lot of the side content you can um, but same kind of deal, especially but these on are Nintendo. Nintendo games. There's no platinum. There's no, there's no yeah, I know. <laughs> I have no incentive to burn through all the extra stuff. Yeah, so I'm, I just, I'm right there with you. I just play the game to play because I don't have any achievements or trophies. Yep. Um, so you can get through it, you know, 38, 40 hours. And it's once you get past that initial learning curve, like it throws everything at you in the first two hours and you're just bombarded with information and stats and do this Mm. and then switch to this and you have to set this attack up with your party and blah 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 it's a ton of shit it takes a little while but as soon as it clicks it clicks and then you're just running through stomping everything you can fight stuff way above your level because you know the mechanics okay Um, and the story is phenomenal okay i absolutely love the story I would put okay. it up there with some of the best. So I, I would say I would recommend giving two another shot. And if okay. if you like it, then go back and play the definitive edition of one and then play three. Okay. Benny, Benny, do you uh are you a Xenoblades fan as well? No. Okay. I, I feel like I, the way I that he just, like, just yeah, yeah. I know it because it was such a popular game on the Wii. Yeah. It was hard to get for a while. And then there was Pandora's Tower. And like there was the whole the trio yeah. of the of the impossible last story. Games. Yeah. yeah, I was big into like finding them and having them, and that that's really it. I never played them. A true collector. It's cool, it's cool for anybody that you know plays them. It's not for me. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Well, I moved from very skeptical to slightly curious. So I'll, <laughs> if there's he's a, in the if, positives now. Yeah, if there's a if there's a chance to uh, have it settle into somewhere. Probably not this year because this this year is just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um. But okay, I'm I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you you mentioned like two is digestible, and if you like to go to one, I don't know what it is. There's something deep inherently in my genetic makeup that tells me that I can't. Uh, I'm not allowed to play games. Like people are like, you should just play Mass Effect two. Don't worry about one. Or just maybe skip to three and watch like a YouTube video about the other two. But deep down, I'm like, that's not how it was supposed to be done. And if I'm not going to do it the right way, then why am I even trying? So I don't know. So I I agree with you on that. But with Xenoblade, they're totally separate. Two is a completely oh, I thought it was like a story. Mm -mm, Totally Uh, different characters, completely different. different. I mean, it's the same. It's just the world is shared, right? Yeah, universe. 
Yeah. And so mm-hmm. the characters in two do come back in three um, and characters, they're like call outs to characters in one, but playing two without knowing those characters, I didn't care. Like it, it, yeah. it wasn't something mm-hmm. that I was missing. You interact yeah. with the characters in two. I have no idea who they are. The game doesn't expect you to, and it introduces them. But then when I went yeah. back and played one, I was like, oh, holy shit. I know that guy. Uh, so, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but it's very very loose it's almost like easter eggs more than anything else but then I three see. you'll be lost if you haven't yeah. played the others you can't start with three i mean you can you do whatever you want but you should not <laughs> start with yeah. three yeah okay i get that but i've heard too i've heard about yeah. that as well uh similar things but yeah. yeah okay okay understood benny what are you playing right now you said 10th playthrough of re4 <laughs> i take it i'm taking a break <laughs> my brain i'm very scatterbrained i play i could probably play 11 to 12 games at a time for some Ooh, reason wow. okay. um i'm gonna throw you off because you're not gonna expect this game and this is a game that tyler hates and he oh, hates it he hates, a, he hates it. anytime i bring it up stop it i am <laughs> i'm a hardcore Fortnite player Stop. oh wow okay. oh yeah and, okay that's and that's not, reasonable and, why tyler would feel that way <laughs> and somebody and somebody that hated it for many years I started playing it. We don't like to talk, bring it up, but you know, when the pandemic happened, <laughs> it's okay. everybody yeah, yeah. was space. staying home and all that stuff. And it actually helped me get close with a friend that we kind of lost touch with. So we Excellent. played it for like a full season, heavy, heavy, heavy. Last year was pretty much just me this year. I've like calmed down, but I played it a lot and I was playing a lot of solo and mm. it just, I don't know. I, don't, I found something interesting in trying to get good at it. Cause I always felt I was horrible at it. Yeah, and I've gotten decent, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I could cool. I casually throw it on, like maybe twice a week now, and I now can get like, ten kills in a match, and I'm happy. Yeah, you know? but I stick with my single player stuff for the most part. Tyler and I um, spend a little bit of time with PSVR when we can, and okay. we started playing a little bit of um, after the fall. Uh, after fall, yeah, and okay. that we had so much fun with it. We had to get our headset situation working, but it's hilarious to like. It was one point he couldn't talk, but he heard me. So you just kept seeing the character go. I'm like, you hear me? <laughs> this yeah. is awesome. But uh, for me, Dead Island 2 is what I'm jumped into now. Yeah, okay. um, we didn't get a review copy, so I picked it up on my own. It's okay. It's I. It's not to me. It's not Dead Island. Why are we calling it Dead Island? It takes place in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying it's not yeah. an island, guys. <laughs> nope. Incorrect. That's actually incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Playing that. Jedi Survivor, I'm jumped into dealing with the glitches. Um, and then there's a game on? called Someday You'll Return. Someday um, Jedi, Jedi Survivor, I'm playing on PlayStation and it crashed okay. 20 minutes into the game. Man, I thought no I was just hearing PC about this. Stuff. No, yeah. No, I heard PlayStation's rough right now. It, One of my buddies rough. texted me earlier today and they're saying like frame drop all over the yeah, place, screen yeah. tearing all over the place. Like, uh, I my, love it. My buddy got the six hours in and it crashed and wiped his save data. He had no, no yep no dude. progress whatsoever he booted it back up and had to start over he was like Mm-mm. no no dude just not that was cyberpunk to me cyberpunk crashed on me twice in under an hour and i was like okay game you have instructed me to not trust you anymore so yeah. yep. i'm not playing you anymore i did you the know? same thing i i got it at launch um and believe it or not it actually broke my speakers i had what? external speakers and it got some it crashed and had this crazy glitch and it shot this audio to the speakers that blew both of my speakers out. I had to buy new speakers. And I that was like, sucks. nah, that sucks. So I, but, I uninstalled and gave it a shot again, like two years later. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, you're saying it. you're saying in spite of the glitches, though, Jedi survivors still speaking to you. I I'm loving it. I'm loving the core of what the game is, and I I'm not a huge fan of EA, and this is what I'm expected from them as far as performance, mm-hmm. but the context, the story, it's enough. Like the patch is supposed to be out tomorrow. I'm holding off. I'll let it patch. We'll see what happens. It's awesome. it's playable, but obviously who wants to deal with crashing when you're in the midst of wanting to play a game that you're like involved in the story and you want to like really learn more totally. because like it's brutal. Like they added the big thing that they added that people wanted was dismemberment. Like I mm-hmm. don't need the gore, but like it when you're in it, it makes sense. Yeah, you know? yeah of course. And like I to be it. able to force grab somebody hit him with the saber and just see a limb go flying. It's just not something you've really seen in Star Wars. It's one of the biggest know, reasons and... I bounced off the first game. I, I also I bounced off it. the first game for literally very similar reasons because it was just immersion breaking to me. It's just yeah, like for terribly. some reason I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm again, I'm not a gore person, right? It's just like, right. it's a lightsaber, man. Like, I, mean, I, 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 I love gore. Movies. I don't, <laughs> but... right. I'm a big gore <laughs> fan, actually. No, I mean. <laughs> Like, I don't know. And the first game, too, is like a little like I expected a little bit more like Star Wars, but Souls yeah. kind of like combat. And yeah, it felt yeah, way yeah. like it was I don't clunky. know what the word is choppy. Well, they, they were, yeah, they're trying, they're like trying to take inspiration, I think. Yeah, because I think you get a blaster in this. So it's going to feel I oh, think a little more like Bloodborne. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. From what yeah. I've seen, I've seen he gets like quick one shot, two shots. Like but even the Bloodborne, even the Bloodborne, uh, like, uh, you know, and, like those weapons were still kind of meant to be shot in close quarters wasn't it mm-hmm. like yeah to stagger and yeah. to like you know to get yourself into the i think that's and what I, they're going to try to do with star wars too i've seen okay, a couple of cool. images where he has that but uh yeah okay. like I, again the the, the dismemberment i think just brings more to the what they're doing with the combat yeah. and he's i don't know if he's gonna go dark side but he's like ruthless like nice. five minutes in he's like holding them and in, in the chest and slicing the leg, you know like it yeah. just i mean i like that. that they're going more right. into it that's like but, that to uh, me what is at star wars like i, I couldn't well, that's, play yeah. I couldn't like it play doesn't need one. to be hitting a stormtrooper disgusting. 13 times with a lightsaber yeah and just leaving right. like a little burn on his armor like no i mean even in like right. hogwarts legacy and you go down and beat up these poachers and he's you're just like for some reason this kid who just murders people and he's okay with it like that's cool i'm okay with that we should have that in star wars too like why not exactly because you're given the choice at that point right. i mean if you yeah, want yeah. gore you play a game like dead island which is what yeah, i right. wanted the, the reason i wanted to segue is because the the one thing i will give that game is the dismemberment and like the way the decaying of the characters it's something you haven't seen like yeah. i'm you you can start attacking them and you're watching like the jaw like literally just come off if you cool. hit it a certain way and then it's hanging. I've never Gross. seen that kind of mechanic. But yeah. then there was a one point where I threw like acid, the clothes start like melting off of them, and then you start seeing the skin melt off. So Neat. it's actually yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Actually, yeah, it's that interesting, cool. you know, how you just see yeah. them decaying. Usually it's like a just a quick animation and then you've peaked you know, my it's a interest puddle in of something. Dead Island. I, I wasn't yeah, I also before, <laughs> I had no interest in Dead Island until you just mentioned possibility. And it's hard. Like, yeah, like it's hard. I keep dying. People. I'm dying yeah. a lot. That's just because you're bad at video games, man. And Los Angeles is a hard place to live, so it makes sense, you know. Now, it, it is technically like a PS4 game, yeah. though, right? Like, I, <laughs> I heard that it does have a lot of, like, load screens and things like that. Is that true? I've only gotten to, like, a second segment, and I and I, I saw a screen. I'm like, am I playing a PS2 game? 
You're going yeah. into this next zone. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, okay. okay. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, I will bet. I will. I have to say one really negative thing. Sorry, developers, if you ever end up seeing this, there are no reflections in any aspect of the mirrors. Mm, you just uh, walk by, and it's unfortunately really bad rendered mm-hmm. of what you see behind you. Yeah, so not I only see. do you not see a shadow or anything. It just looks, yeah. yeah I was, that's, nobody that's has jarring. an excuse that's, for that. That's immersion breaking. Duke Nukem Forever had good mirrors. All right, yeah. everybody else can have good mirrors. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Taking a look at yourself pissing. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> yeah. That was a that was another fantastic game that sat in development for a long time. Too mm. long. Yeah. 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 Well, again, this one is a, is a whole nother developer at this point. No, so yeah, I, no. I will commend them for the fact that. One, you got it put out. Mm-hmm. The game got released. So yeah. at least we live in a world where we can say Dead Island 2 exists. But yeah. you know, it comes it comes with uh I think any game that has that development cycle. Yeah, it was like, is it gonna have the four years too late? Maybe it's four years too late. Who knows? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They picked yeah, well. a weird year to put it out. You put it out in a the peak of survival horror in the last 10 years. Yeah, where you're getting two remakes of say, two of the best Dead survival Space horror games. Four. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you know? exactly. And then you still have Horizon. People are still like really getting into Horizon now. It's yeah, a tough competitive market, they but it's still selling. Didn't play it because Horizon is the worst at putting their games out. Like they why, picked the worst that we also admit. Yes, it's very true. <laughs> oh my god, why would yeah. you try to compete with Elden Ring and then compete yeah. with like, Breath of the Wild? The time. And Breath of the Wild, yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, yeah I people, chose. But people still play it. It's crazy. Well, now you yeah. still play it. Yeah. One of our guys on uh, one of our girls on the uh, podcast, she uh, she's been playing. She's been a diehard like Horizons fan for a long time. Uh, and she's saying like the new content is like awesome. <laughs> really enjoying it. I mean, it's a it's an amazing looking game. I forced myself to play. I haven't finished the first yeah. one. I have the second one. I haven't finished it either. Same. I'll yeah. put it on. I'm like, all right. Cool. Yeah, Looks cool. Yeah. But I yeah, can't right. Can't. So pretty, but I get pretty bored pretty fast. I, I, I was able to finish. Yeah, I I platinum the first game, but it was absolutely like an autopilot kind of thing. Yeah. It's like I've got some kind of YouTube rolling on my phone next to me, like listening to something, watching something, and I'm just kind of like going through yeah, the secondary. You know? yeah, yeah, fully, fully. Tyler, uh, we have that that saying: "We uh, evil within it." You kind of force yes. yourself. Oh my god, to, dude! I, to, that, I hate playing. <laughs> I actually like genuinely feel bad that I never finished that game, but I was so. Can we curse here? Yes. Oh, yeah. I was so fucking bored when I was playing that game. Like once I had to go back through the open world and there's like those bigger enemies that you have to like stealth up to. I was like, fuck this. I was like, I'm so done. Like because then if you die, then it's like, okay, now I have to like re stealth the fucking open world again. It's like, bro, I'm out. Like I'm so out on this. And it's a shame because I am like. I am your target demographic. It's yes. like if you're going to sell your game, you're selling it to me. You know? <laughs> oh gosh, yep. yeah. That and that's really and that's why we pe- we pen that term from a fellow editor of the show um, and uh, gaming age, Paul. He literally forced himself to try to play the game, and I don't think he ever got through it. And I said, I I evil winded it. I evil within it. I got through yeah. it. And yeah. uh, any game that I've played after that, I just felt that i had to or obligation of a review like where you need enough context oh yeah i'm evil within it 
<laughs> yeah, and yeah. here's the thing. It's like I've like I think we call it like hate playing. I've hate played a lot of games in my time. You know, most, <laughs> yeah. most recently was uh, Valkyrie Elysium. Bad game. Really? Bad game. Yeah, but I've I've just pushed through it because I was like, you know what? It it was one of those things where I was like, once I started it, it's like you can see the end, and it's like the only thing that's separating me from like finishing and platinuming this game is just doing it. Like it's it's not like there's no skill gap or anything like that. It's like I I just need to fucking I just need to do it right. Yeah. Um, and I'll do that, and I've done it a couple of times. Outriders was another infamous one. That's Ugh. not a very good game. <laughs> oh yeah. my um, goodness. Yeah. Two uh, two hours, and I was done. Yeah. yeah. So imagine if you said Justin, you said before like the target demographic. Like imagine if even for like achievements or trophies, imagine if these developers had like a like a way to find the people who do literally that stuff and have yeah. like they actually care about it, and then they have a means to ask the question to them. Would It'd you really want to cool. do th- these kind of things? Crit rate. What? Somebody what's up, guys? Somebody should make a website. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Somebody should make a website. Segue. Perfect. Yep. All right, Absolutely. so here's what we'll do. Benny, um, Benny is is tapped. He's got to head back to work. Um, but yeah. if you guys are cool with it, I'm going to stick around and we'll talk about your experience at PAX um, and kind of your roadmap for crit rate going forward and get some sure. of that. Some yeah, of that. for sure. Yeah, we've got another, Justin, what do we have? Another like 20, 20 minutes or so, yeah, and then yeah. we got a hard stop. Perfect. Okay. Oh, yep, same here. So we're good. All right, brother. Benny, Benny it was a pleasure meeting Benny, you, man. True pleasure. You we'll be chatting again soon, one, I'm guys. sure. Later, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Later, bud. All right. Never had anybody sign off in the middle of a podcast before. That was a right interesting experience. Like, it feels interesting. Now it's just us. I know. What's the up, teacher Tyler? has left the room, so now yeah, right. Now we can be. It can play. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. no, seriously. Um, PAX. I have never been able to attend a PAX. Never. Um, oh, yeah. Man. So good, I was man. It's a good time. Located in Ohio. Um, couldn't couldn't make any of the places. Now I'm in Louisiana, so it's oh like, wow, yeah. There's really no no way to get yeah. there. But Benny's in Jersey, so he's he's been. Um, oh, that's obviously fantastic. you Wait, guys met Stan and yeah. We're in Jersey's yet. Uh, I don't know. Oh, we should we'll follow up with the afterwards because we are also in Jersey. Yeah, so really. Grab drinks sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we have yeah, never so... met in person. Fun fact. Is Benny that and right? I, ever? Ever? Not one time. Wow. We worked together to for packs. eight years. If you went to PAX, you would meet in person. Yep. <laughs> I will say. Oh, go ahead, Justin. No, I was just about to say since 2015, when we started doing crit rate, you knew Benny and have never seen him in person. That's like mm-hmm. egregious, man. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's wild. Not one time. And I, I will put this out there. So Justin and I have been to like, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a flex, but it's not a flex. But we've been to like almost every like game convention that takes place in the US. It's not a flex. E3, you know, E3, PAX East, PAX West, um, Myriad, retro game shows, all this kind of stuff. I would say if you're going to travel for something, PAX is absolutely worth traveling for. Yeah, it is. It is the new like standard for what this kind of stuff is. I know. I mean, we're probably the same age. So like we know that E3 was like the place to be for the longest time. And it was. um, But the the fact is, it's just not going to be what it what it what was, was or, or how we learned of it and pax is absolutely filling those shoes and it's just such a cool place to like not only like play uh new games that you've never seen before but then be exposed to a lot of the the triple a's are going to be there or are typically there and yeah. then it's just awesome to meet the people so but uh, you, yeah on the side of just... playing it i would go for it and i think it's probably better than west at this point 
on the side of the software side, like we've been also to GDC as well. And like, as far as networking events and like Tyler, this is really just, this is coming from a place of like, we also were trying and doing our best to like also be this in the industry. Inside baseball. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, right. But like, but <laughs> yeah. it is just fascinating. Like we've been, we've been going to PAX since 2013 every year afterwards, minus like the two years of COVID. We even made it to the very final big one in 2020 before everything was shut down. And like during that entire time, I would say like we've met people in the industry, not even just people in the media space, but like we've met people in the voice acting space and the development space who started back in 2013 of just trying to get these jobs. And then now we're seeing them literally a month ago. And some of them are getting like triple A like level gigs. And it's, it's a celebration. Like there's a family behind the, the, the booths, regardless of whatever banner you're, you're waving for whatever company. It's like, you still see the people who are constantly trying to apply their passion into an industry that they really, really want to be a part of. And it's, it's so heartwarming. You know what I mean? It is truly yeah. like, we call them the convention family, but truth be told, it is like a family. Like people still look out for each other and help each other get connected. Um, you just got to kind of put yourself out there. So Tyler, you got to come to a PAX, man. Yeah. I will go to a PAX. We will we will be part of your gaming family that you meet out there. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. So we will. Yeah. We. I mean, we've talked about it. We talked about trying to make it work. Um. You know, just with the the distance. Yeah. And I've got. You know, I'm married. I've got for three time. kids. Yeah. Three, three kids. kids. I've got a dog. Oh, I've got a, a saltwater fish tank. Like, I. It's hard to go anywhere and do anything. Yo, I've had yeah. the saltwater fish tank. I was on that grind for a while. Oof! It is beautiful. But man, yes. is it so maintenance high? Like high maintenance is ridiculous. It is a lot of work. See, yeah, that's what I was going to say about the kids. It's a beautiful thing, but man, is it a lot of work? Yeah. 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 Uh, so my mistake is all I can talk about. Seven, five, and three. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah. I have Games I have one cool. son. He's 21 yeah. months, so he's still very little. But, uh, you know, it is it is certainly a lift. And, uh, you know, you got to be a good dad sometimes. And leaving yeah. for extended periods of time is typically not part of the uh, criteria. Yeah. And then add to it, my wife My wife is the the primary um breadwinner i'm a i'm a stay-at-home dad with the kids right now um cool. and do and do cool. this and i've got freelance jobs that i do on the side but she's the the primary earner so makes yeah leaving her with the kids even harder yeah. it's like yeah yeah, yeah no, take days off work so i can go hang out yeah. and play video with my games. friends at a video yeah. game convention okay, exactly yeah makes sense to yeah. me yeah. Makes sense no, it's to understandable yeah. but yeah but, so okay uh, yeah go go for it tell me about tell me about doing uh, crit rate at conventions and how how that's received and everything else for sure so uh, i'll kick us off um there's a lot to to go over so we'll try to keep it uh we'll keep it sure. truncated but so we've we've taken crit rate to a couple of smaller conventions like we brought it to uh, a smash tournament called the big house in detroit we brought it out to too many games which is like a retro convention here in uh, philadelphia so it's it's made smaller appearances just as sort of like small test cases to see how people would respond there but pax east was really the big show like that that is where we fully came out we had a booth there we like we really you know turned up as much as we can to see how people would react to it and the response we got has just been phenomenal really the objective while we were there was pretty novel um what we were hoping to do was we got as much information about the show before we got there as far as what games would be presented there and then we created an entire subsection of the website that was just the pax games so this was every game that was playable on the show floor 
Uh, little did we know when we got the information from the PAX people beforehand, they gave us a list of about 40 games. Uh, in truth, there was about 250 games um, wow. that we only found out the day that we got there. So Justin and I are running around with our cell phones, snapping pictures of booths. So then later that night, we could go back to the website and hand make every page that people could go to. But the point of doing that was we wanted to create sort of this uh, closed environment experience where anyone that was at PAX uh, if they came to our booth, they would take our survey, get uh, a, an enamel pin that represented the house that they belong to. Oh, really? And cool. then, yeah. And then as they represent uh, or as they went throughout packs, they would rate games. And for each of the games that they rated, we had like thresholds where if they rated like five games, they would come back and get like a free drawstring bag and then like a sword and then a uh, like a T-shirt and all this kind of stuff. So there was this little incentive loop for people to come back and, and review games. But what yeah. ended up happening was people were going out and playing games. And then we had this 80, what was it? 86, 86 inch, yeah. This 86 inch TV that was at our booth that was a live leaderboard that showed each of the five houses and what games were most highly rated amongst those houses. And we just kind of wanted to do that to show what was happening in real time and show like the activity of the what concept. was going on. Yeah. Yeah, like the concept being demonstrated in like a, a tangible way. Um, but what what we didn't realize immediately at the time, or I guess not to the extent that it was being accomplished, was what this essentially became was a like a hit list for the uh, for the people that were at the event. So if you were in incendiary, you know, you only have so much time while you're there. What games do you play? Well, you mm -hmm. stop by the crit rate booth and you see the top five games that are rated for your house. And now you know exactly where to go. So it became this really wonderful loop of people like coming to the booth, getting their house finding some interesting games that they might want to play, going out, playing them, rating them, come back. And over the course of the weekend, we were able to uh, get over 5,000 new users onto the website wow. and then cumulatively rated over or submitted over 19,000 ratings while we were there. It was unbelievable yeah. to see how well it uh, responded. I'll pass it over to Justin now. I mean, there's much more to talk about, but that was kind of like the high level. Like, this is what we were doing out there. That's amazing. Yeah. You guys are I'm some marketing geniuses. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. We, uh, I mean, so, I mean, Justin and I both come from a marketing background, so I guess, I mean, thank you for the praise. I yeah, really so do appreciate that's it. It's very validating. We'll take yeah, that on the Monday morning. Yeah. It was, uh, it was literally this idea of like, well, we've done shows before, um, for one of our other companies. Um, and it's kind of always been in our philosophy to like make the entire convention, our booth, not just the one small convention, like booth and like yeah. here, like the goal was to impress upon them the concept of crit rate. It's a very, it's a long winded mouthful of words that we have to shoot into your ear somehow for you to feel what we're trying to feel. Um, and not many people understand it right away. So it's like, well, how do we do it? And it's like, well, people really love pins and we love the, the ideas of the houses. So let's create like an initiation pin to welcome them into the house after they've taken the test. And then it's like, okay, how do we get them to rate games? And then after they rate games, will anybody even care? The question is, I mean, the answer to that is, well, we defaulted to no, nobody's going to care. So in this case, it's like, well, we got to get some stuff to give them. Foam swords was one and then drawstring in the t-shirts. But what really changed for us was when we were there and we saw people doing it outside of the prizes. Like yeah. at one point we ran out of prizes and we, at one point people didn't even care about the prizes. They didn't even care about the pin. They were just happy to see what kind of gamer they were find out what kind of gamers their friends were and then would come back to our booth to tell us how ridiculous the idea and like the summaries were 
and how accurate they were between their group of friends. And then we started learning like, well, even though, you know, my friends are bravadiers and I might be like a advantageist, uh, I still find their opinions interesting because I see where that's coming from in their competitive space. Right. Yeah. Um, so after this, it really started like resonating with us. Like, Oh my God, Justin, I think we might be onto something. I think we might be like all these eight years of trying to make this happen was not always a waste of time. And it, uh, it was even more validating when, uh, some of the developers came over and they were like, yo, how do we get our game on your website? And two, what are you? And three, oh, okay, I understand what you're doing. Can we get the feedback? Like the reason why we have to jump off in 10 minutes or so is because we have to prepare a deck for another developer that we're talking to. We like we, we batched up the data and we presented back to them just to show them their performance at PAX, just to talk to them about the idea and the concept. So this is kind of like the after the aftermath of like what people were saying about their game because they're really fascinated about the feedback and they're there primarily to get feedback from people, especially the indie devs. Yeah. Um, so it was most interesting to us because that was never really, that was always like a, an inkling thought, but like we had no idea how that would even come to come to be. We were more, we were more like in it to see if like the people, like the gamers, uh, the, the attendees would like care about us. Um, but then we started talking to the developers and the publishers were interested because they were like, is this a way that we could find certain like, you know, game testers with specific different varying traits. And yeah. like, that's when things started really opening up for us. And then when we finally came home, exhausted over a six day, a six day long grind of like getting our team there and then doing the booth and then sitting there for like eight plus hours at a time, not eating lunch, just talking to people. Justin and I sat down and we looked at each other. We're like, dude, there's so much work to do. We have so yeah. much stuff to do, but it's such a good yeah. problem to have. Um, but it was really, it was really interesting. And, uh, I was really happy with the, uh, with the turnout at the show. Um, and everything worked so cohesively, which honestly, like we, when we reviewed the results of PAX and like how all the days went, like if any one part was missing, it wouldn't have worked. You know, I don't, I don't, if, if the, we created these, uh, lanyards with these, with these postcards that you would wear and on the front of it, the postcard would have like a little dotted line of where you would put your PAX badge on top of. But before you did that, it showed you a little QR code that was like, take this test, get your house, come to the booth for a pin. And then when you're wearing it, if you flip it upside down, it'll show you a little thing that, that says flip for the map or scan this barcode for a full list, a full directory of all the games at PAX with their booth numbers. And then when you looked up the game, you'd flip the card over and you would have a legit map of the show floor with the booth numbers. So you can use your phone and the card to designate where to go next. It's like yeah. all the Providers are telling me to play this game. Where is it? Booth 13085. Okay, that's right here. That's where I'm going. And then we started learning from the attendees, no less. They're like, this needs to be at the front of PAX because this is helping me min-max my time at PAX. With 250 games, how in the world am I supposed to play any of these in one day, all these in one day, let alone mm -hmm. four days, like let alone four days, let alone one day, right? People who have only one day passes, what game should I play? Yeah. Um, this was helping them see that. And I didn't even consider that to be a thing at the time until people were telling us. Yeah, and that could be, I mean, looking at it from from like the review side, that would be such a cool tool for PR to have when they're yes. sending out Dude. those PR blast emails. Like, hey, the, are you, you know, if it, if it gains traction, they can ask, hey, this is, this might be for you. Here's, here's yeah. what to do. That would be such a huge tool for PR companies. Oh, for sure. And it, it's been really cool, actually. So at the end of the event, what we did was we uh, tallied all of the ratings across all of the houses. And we actually handed out these little like 
uh, ascendiary game of the show, vantages game of the show. And uh, and when we brought it over to them, now we've seen those uh, those developers of those titles uh, like using that in some of their marketing language, which has been just awesome. Like they, yeah. they're reposting it on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. It's it was just really nice to see that, you know, they found the value in this and then wanted to, you know, uh, I don't know, continue that messaging through, which is I mean, it's just really encouraging, you know, especially like Justin said, I mean, we've been working on this for for like eight years. We've kind of just been in our hyperbolic time chamber thinking <laughs> we're doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, now we're on the other side and it seems like it's connecting with people. And that's the most important thing is just to to really feel like you belong in in these yeah. in these groups right like these are your people yeah. and the types of uh, opinions and recommendations that you're getting do jive with your tastes as well uh and that's really what we've been hearing back from uh from our new users which has just been wonderful yeah that's awesome i am i am definitely signing up when we're done with this call seriously this is the coolest fucking thing and <laughs> the, the way you guys have explained it it makes so much sense like yeah. I can't believe that this is just now a thing, you know, like looking at it now, it's like, why hasn't this happened before? And so Tyler, when you do take the test and you do fall into your house, right? One thing to note is that the way that game ratings are generated is literally with the, the philosophy, the lunch table philosophy again, right? It's like, imagine you're sitting at a table with 10 other Tyler's out of 10 of them, seven of them are saying that this game is worth your time. So out of seven out of 10, like, would you play that game? Would you consider playing that game? That's kind of up to you, but that's why we call it a crit rate because it would essentially boil down to, it's kind of like a vote up, vote down system um, yeah. where, and Justin usually explains this, but there are three three ratings. One, there's a leave it, which is this game isn't for me. Uh, I would probably have told my prior self to leave this game, right? The like it is, I like this game. I would recommend you trying this game. And then the love it is, I really like this game. This is very important for you to play, right? So the love it's have a very slight heavier weight to them but they're basically like a super like right okay and the idea is you only have one vote but over the course of like all these other people voting how many of them in your house are saying that this is worth your time and worth not uh, or not worth your time so if you're to see a game that even says like a 68 percent that means that this is a 68 percent chance that this will be a hit for you versus let's say a 30 percent chance where you could still like the game but this would be a 30 percent chance that it would be a hit right and it's all this recommendation and percentage chances basically yeah and and that was that was a big part just to underline that a little bit there was that was an important concept that we were playing with when we created the percentage because we didn't want it to be confused with like a quality marker right because tools like uh what's called like traditional reviews and metacritic and all these things they absolutely have a place because those are typically marking a game based on quality like how how functionally mechanically sound how narratively sound is this game right (laughs) that absolutely has a place but again those those qualities might not necessarily align with your motivations as a player so there might be a game that gets a 90 whatever on uh on metacritic but it just might not jive with you right and then in the same token you might get something that's like a 70 on metacritic but it's like you know a hundred percent on crit rate so we kind of wanted it to to live alongside traditional reviews and metacritic and stuff it's certainly not in any way meant to sort of like replace this in any way it really is a complementative feature Um, And just sort of another data point for users to look at and say like, okay, well, you know, my time is valuable. My money's valuable. And I want to make sure that I'm making a good decision here. Like, yeah, I mean, you as well, like 
we're we're parents, right? Yeah. <laughs> Time becomes so much more valuable the older that you get that it's like, if I'm gonna, you know, if I'm like your your average consumer, I want to make a decision, you know, I want to play a game that's gonna feel really fulfilling, that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be something that I'll I'll enjoy and feel like okay, money well spent, right? And yeah, this is just another data point to help you reach that decision. No, I like it. Yeah. All right, guys. I know you've got you've got your your next thing, but I we've talked for an hour and a half, and I feel like we've been talking for like five minutes. There's, yeah, yes, yeah, I, we could definitely I, keep going. I, there's <laughs> there's definitely more here, so I I want to try to get some more time with you guys here in the coming months and sure. have you back on, and we'll update with the the houses that Benny and I fall into. But yeah, yeah. um, for now I'll I'll let you guys go. When the show, I'll put links to uh, crit rate in the video description and the podcast description. And I think you guys, you guys have a podcast on Apple podcast too. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So, uh, so first off, thank you so much for your time, Tyler. This has really oh, yeah. been a phenomenal conversation. Um, if anyone wants to find out what we're doing, we're at critrate.io. Uh, that's where you can take the survey, try it yourself. Uh, we're also on Twitter, critrate underscore gaming. Uh, and then, yeah, you can find our podcast, the crit rate podcast. We're on Apple podcast, Spotify, um, anywhere that you get podcasts uh we publish every thursday and then we have kind of like one-off guest podcasts as well so you can check us out there but uh yeah this has been awesome (laughs) thank you so much for the opportunity to chat yeah this has been a lot of fun thank you guys so much for coming on i really appreciate it thank you for having us man yep absolutely see you guys (laughs) 